The Holy Gospel according to John, the 14th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me, because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. First of all, and I guess I apologize, I forgot to mention this in my introduction, uh, happy Mother's Day to you all. Uh, For you mothers out there, may your day be filled with uh, gratitude and joy and love, and I hope a bit of relaxation as well, Uh, especially for mothers of school-aged children who I know these days are doing double duty as homeschoolers. I pray that you may take a breath or two and rest from your labors. Uh, We are also always aware that Mother's Day is not easy for everyone, Uh, and so for those of you for whom today is hard, our prayers are with you. Uh, May God give you a sense of peace and comfort today. Uh, Mother's Day, uh, of course, is also close to the time of graduations. Uh, Just yesterday in my own family, uh, we celebrated our oldest son Luke's graduation from college. Uh, We did that over a Zoom call, Um, and while that did, as a result, involve a lot more friends and family than maybe otherwise would have been able to be with him, it wasn't quite how we drew it up. Uh, So for all of those of you who are, uh, whose graduation plans have been disrupted and upset and turned upside down, uh, my prayers are with you during these strange times, and I hope that you may find some creative and meaningful ways to celebrate those important milestones. I want to talk this morning a bit about where we find ourselves in the midst of this uh, pandemic. Um, At this moment, there seems to be a lot of talk these days, understandably, about, well, when do we get back to normal? 
Uh, when, for example, will the stores open or when will sporting events uh, begin again? And, of course, when can we come back to church? Now, spoiler alert, I am not going to answer that question exactly this morning, but I do want to give you all a sense of what we're thinking in the face of those kinds of questions. As a bit of context and background, I was on a couple of important calls this week. One was with pastors from large churches around the country. On that call, we heard from a business leader who talked about both the challenges and some opportunities of a time like this. The other call uh, was with pastors from our own region. On that call, we heard from a medical doctor who is an expert in infectious diseases. Both of those presentations were excellent and thoughtful and based on all kinds of good and meaningful data. And both of those presentations also shared another similarity. Both speakers admitted there was very little clarity about precisely what the next few months are going to look like. Lots of questions, little clarity. That fact, that there is very little clarity about what the next few months are going to look like, felt to me to be honest and realistic. And I actually appreciated the fact that neither of these very accomplished presenters felt compelled to pretend that they had simple or clear answers in the face of great uncertainty. And so, in the face of this continued uncertainty, in the face of this lack of clarity, I'd like to start by going back to what I said when I preached my first sermon to this empty sanctuary uh, eight weeks ago on March 15th. And I have to say, uh, it feels like a lot longer than eight weeks ago. I'm guessing it does for you as well. Uh, you may remember that in that sermon I talked about how Martin Luther had advised people of his time uh, to respond to a time of plague that they were experiencing. And it was simple advice, really. Everything we do, he said, should be based on the fundamental Christian value of love for our neighbor. That was the overarching point, love your neighbor. And how to do that? How are we supposed to love our neighbor during a time of pandemic? Well, Martin Luther gave us three criteria. One, care for the weakest and most vulnerable. Two, follow the best medical advice available. And three, don't take any unnecessary risks. And all of those point to an inevitable fact as it relates to when we can responsibly and safely gather again which is not yet. We don't want to do anything that would jeopardize the health of the weakest and most vulnerable, not only in our congregation, but in our community. We don't want to gather until the best medical advice tells us it is safe and prudent to do so. And we don't want to take any unnecessary risks when we don't have to. Now, we are absolutely thinking about and talking about what life is going to look like when we can return. We're meeting about it as a pastoral team. We're reading and researching. We're anticipating questions. We're thinking about how we may need to make adjustments to our life together. We're looking forward to that day, whenever it will be. And we will obviously continue to keep you informed about our thinking and planning along that front. But this morning, I also want to say that that day may be further out than any of us anticipated a few weeks ago. Now, in the meantime, this is very important, in the meantime, until we can meet in person again, the work 
of the church continues, as it always has. Over two millennia, when the world has been faced with plague or pandemic, and it has happened many times over 2,000 years, the church has always found creative ways to continue to worship, to teach, to build up community, and to do its work of outreach, to tend to the sick, the hurting, the lonely, the lost, and left behind. We are doing that here at St. Philip the Deacon today. We have been doing it for the last eight weeks. We're doing it a bit differently than we did before all of this happened. That's true, but we're still trying to faithfully follow where God is leading us, doing the work the church is called to do, even when we can't gather physically. And by the way, we are doing it with a huge advantage over churches in the past, thanks to technology. Now, please hear me clearly. I am not saying that live streaming worship or a Bible study on a conference call or a support group over Zoom can replace in-person gatherings. They aren't the same, and we miss being together physically. But if you explain to earlier Christians who didn't have the internet or Zoom or live streaming that a magic box would allow us to worship together while physically apart and to see and talk with one another on a small screen in real time, they would have been amazed. And they would have been quick to tell us how valuable these tools are. One of the undoubted benefits of this technology is that there are many people now worshiping with us every week who were not connected to St. Philip the Deacon before all of this happened. We hear from you every day, and we are glad you are here. Maybe when we gather again in person, you'll be able to join us, or maybe you'll return to your own church, which would be wonderful, or maybe you are so far away in a different state or even a different country that you won't be able to join us physically, but you'll continue to worship, worship with us virtually. Whatever your circumstances, I want you to know that we are happy you are making this your church home. And make no mistake, even if you've never set foot in our sanctuary, this is your home. And we're happy to have you as part of our family. Uh, the mention of home reminds me of what I said at Easter, that we are all feeling a bit homesick for life as it used to be. Uh, based on what I've heard back from many people, that theme seems to have struck a nerve. I find it interesting, maybe providential therefore, that both of the readings for today talk about house and home. In First Peter, we are reminded that God is building us into a spiritual house. And in the Gospel from John, Jesus tells us that he's going ahead of us to prepare a place for us in his Father's house. Now that Gospel reading we usually hear as a message about the house God is preparing for us after our deaths, and that is certainly one very appropriate way to read it. But the word that Jesus uses for house here was also used to refer to temporary tents or habitations that would be used on a journey or a pilgrimage, and I have to confess that right now I find that imagery profoundly helpful. Does anyone doubt that we are on a journey? Does anyone doubt that we are on a pilgrimage? Does anyone doubt that we are traveling from one way of life that was well-known and predictable and comfortable to a life that now is strange and different and unfamiliar? That means 
uncertainty and change, yes, but as Christians, it also means that we are privileged to understand and see this journey, this pilgrimage, this adventure as something new that God is doing. More than that, it means that we are not only privileged to understand and see it as something new, but that we are also privileged to play an important role in this new thing that God is doing. Through the eyes of faith, we can see that God is inviting us to journey together, to travel alongside one another in this new adventure. And if we aren't always quite sure where we're going, or importantly, if we aren't quite sure when we will get there, we trust that Jesus does know. We have only to follow him with faith, trusting and knowing that Jesus will not only lead us on this path, but will also create places for us to stay and rest along the way. In 1 Peter, we read, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. That's you that Peter is writing about. And that identity comes with expectations and responsibility. God made you for a purpose. Again, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. And here's the purpose. In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, God has high expectations for us. God has work for us to do. God is sending us on a mission, even now, maybe especially now. Yes, I look forward with you to the day we can gather again in person, but I also celebrate with you the many ways God is using us right now, today, as we travel together toward our new home, with Jesus leading us every step of the way. Amen.